You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 16, and we're going to be answering the question, what example of faith should I be imitating? But before we take a look at this portion of Scripture, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First of all, if you haven't had the opportunity to visit our website in a while, we'd encourage you to visit us at desirejesus.com. We've been putting up a lot of blog content there that basically gives you a transcript of uh, the various things that we've been talking about here on the podcast. So if you'd ever like to take a look at some of these things in written form, we have transcript copies available uh, for free right there on the website. Just stop by. DesireJesus.com. You'll be able to take a look at uh, a bunch of them now as we've been uploading them. Uh, We also have links to our sister podcast, the Chapter a Day Audio Bible, and we still have free copies of Desire Jesus Volume 5, uh, the 30-day devotional that I release each month. And uh, when we first release it, ultimately it gets locked into Amazon's ecosystem. Uh, But before it gets locked in on Amazon, and I'm not able to offer it free on our website after we do that. The first thing we do is we offer it for a few weeks uh, for free right on our our website, desirejesus.com, for anyone that wants to download it. So if you haven't had an opportunity to download it yet, be sure to stop by the website. I hope it's something that you'll enjoy. I've certainly enjoyed putting it together and uh, been getting some just very encouraging feedback from those that have been using it as a tool in their daily walk with Christ. So again, stop by the website. We hope you enjoy it. Grab a free copy while you're there, and definitely check out some of the other resources that we have available for you. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're talking about this idea of what example of faith should I be imitating? And uh, it kind of makes me think about the fact that when uh, I was a young person, particularly when I was a teenager, uh, I can sort of think through the lens of my life uh, or the seasons of my life at that stage through whom I was choosing to imitate. In fact, so my uh, my son and I, we just got haircuts today. And uh, I remember when I was a teenager, I would often go to uh, the person that cut my hair, and I'd have a picture of someone that I wanted her to try and cut my hair to resemble. And I guess hairstylists and barbers probably get those kind of requests all the time. But when I think back to that season of my life, basically what I was trying to do was imitate somebody. There were all sorts of examples that I looked up to, all sorts of people that I wanted to be like as I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to be like or who God had created me to be. And uh, the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today from Hebrews 13 basically gives us the the answer to this question of what kind of example of faith should I be imitating. So if you would take your Bibles and open up to Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to pick up at verse 17, and this is what it says. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. 
So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of Scripture today. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this portion of your word, that you'd help us to understand the ultimate example of faith that you've called us to imitate. Lord, we pray that you'd give us counsel and insight and wisdom for our own lives as we take a look at what you communicated through the writer of the book of Hebrews. So we're thankful now to be able to look at this portion of Scripture, and we give you praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, today we're looking at this idea of what example of faith should I be imitating? That's the question that we're asking today. And I have to say I'm grateful for the people that the Lord has placed in my life. There are many people who have influenced me that I'm grateful to have known. I'm even thankful for people that the Lord has brought into my life that I would consider bad examples of life and faith, because I have learned and I continue to learn from each of them. Now, we're all imitating our influences to one degree or another. I would contend that in many respects, we may learn more through what we see in and copy from the lives of others than we learn by direct teaching, even though both are highly valuable things. Now, who have you been willing and eager to imitate in your life? And maybe I could even ask it this way. Who did you imitate 10 years ago? And who are you imitating now? Are the people you imitate helping to point your mind and your heart to Christ? Are they giving you a greater glimpse of the mind and motivations of Jesus? Well, what does God's Word tell us about the kind of examples of faith we should be imitating? One of the things that we're told in this passage is that when we're thinking about people that we should be imitating— High on that list should be leaders who actually live what they proclaim. Look at what it says in verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Something I have become convinced of more and more is the importance of good leadership. Our culture needs good leadership. Our homes need good leadership. The local church needs good leadership. Uh, when leadership is weak, when it's dishonest, when it's duplicitous, when it's uh, not living above reproach, everyone suffers. When leadership displays a sacrificial spirit and integrity and a desire to lead for Christ's glory, everyone benefits. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of visiting a struggling church that is down to just a few people. They really don't have very many people left. Now, the, the people there were delightful and pleasant, but they didn't know what to do to help their struggling church. They wanted advice, and they wanted encouragement. And from what I could see, one of their greatest needs was a sacrificial 
Christ-loving leader with a vision and a willingness to help them reach into their community by serving their neighbors and building bridges that helped people hear and understand the gospel. Now, in the context of this scripture from Hebrews 13, the early church was given some advice regarding examples of faith worth imitating. Specifically, they were told to observe and bring to mind leaders who had made the Word of God clear to them, leaders who lovingly gave up the comforts and false securities of this world to come to them and to help them understand who Jesus is and the implications of Christ's gospel. But let's be honest, there are plenty of people in this world who can be good talkers, right? Lots of people are good talkers. We've all interacted with and been taught by many impressive communicators with a gift for teaching. But what happens when you really get to know some of them? Do their words match up with their manner of living? Do they practice what they proclaim? In many respects, you can tell a lot about a man's character by how he behaves when he's under stress. How does he speak when he's emotionally worn thin? How does he treat you when he's worried about something? What does he reveal about the nature of his true hopes and the nature of his true sense of security when his circumstances are less than ideal? The writer of Hebrews encouraged the church to consider the outcome of the way of life of those who had made God's word known to them. And the truth is, if a man truly believes in Jesus Christ, his life will confirm the depth of his faith. Behavior follows belief. There are behaviors and blessings that will become visible in the life of a leader who truly believes what he speaks. Look at his household. They'll tell you. Look at how he interacts with people who have nothing material to offer him. Look at how he handles his position of authority. Can you see Christ in that man? If you see the heart of Christ present in your leaders, then imitate their faith. Watch what they do. Let them teach you. If they're good leaders, they've probably experienced quite a few difficulties that helped prepare them and helped tenderize their hearts for their position of leadership. Leaders who actually live what they proclaim provide a powerful example of faith in Jesus that's worth imitating. Someone else that the Scripture points out that we should certainly be imitating is Jesus himself, Jesus who suffered to make us holy. Look at what it says in verses 8 to 12. It says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Earthly leaders are certainly valuable examples of faith, but there's no greater example than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the eternal Son of God who took on flesh and dwelt among us. He lived, died, and rose from the grave. He defeated sin, Satan, and death, and he invites us to receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life 
through genuine faith in him. He offers this to us as an undeserved gift because he's already paid for it on our behalf. Now, this scripture reminds us that Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. He's the perfection of love, wisdom, and power. We were created by him, and we will never find a sense of peace or ultimate satisfaction until we find it through him. In every generation, however, there are all kinds of strange teachings being promoted that try to drag us away from a pure understanding of what it means to find our strength and our meaning through Christ. In our world, there are many false religions. In our culture, there are all kinds of false sources of peace and satisfaction. And if we aren't careful, we can start drifting toward believing strange teachings that all tend to come down to a dependence on what we do instead of what Christ has done for us. That's the big difference between a false teaching and the truth of the gospel. If your faith is in the work of your hands and what you accomplish instead of in Christ and what he has already accomplished on your behalf, you're in danger of buying into a form of strange teaching that conflicts with the gospel. One of the issues that the Hebrew Christians were being encouraged to become aware of in this passage was the false teaching that taught that they could earn the favor of God by what they ate or didn't eat. Of course, when we look through the Old Testament, yes, there were dietary restrictions for believers living during the Old Covenant era, but the point of those restrictions wasn't to earn God's favor. The point was to encourage them to live a life that was distinct and set apart from the pagan nations that surrounded them. Jesus ushered in the new covenant when he shed his blood on the cross, and believers are no longer required to practice the ceremonial, sacrificial, or dietary requirements of the old covenant. All those things have found their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Dietary regulations and special foods have no capacity to change a person's heart. I'm not a better Christian if I eat a chili dog for lunch, which I did just a few days ago, <laughs> or if I eat a Caesar salad with grilled chicken, which obviously is a little bit healthier. You know, one of those options might contribute to, to better physical health, but the food that we eat will never earn us the favor of God. Jesus suffered on the cross. To make us holy. We don't have to torture ourselves to gain God's favor. Through faith in Jesus, we are forgiven, and our relationship with our Creator is restored. Well, one other example of faith worth imitating that's brought out in this passage of Scripture is this. It speaks of sojourners who love Christ more than they love their own reputations. Let me reread verses 13 to 16, because it speaks of these people. It says, Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 
So as we continue looking at this portion of Scripture, the additional example that we're given of faith that's worth imitating is the example of men and women who lived as sojourners in this world because they loved Christ more than the comforts or praise that can come from being admired in this life. During the Old Covenant era, on the Day of Atonement specifically, the bodies of animals that were slain by the priests in ceremonial sacrifices were taken outside of the camp and they were burned. And it wasn't a pretty sight to see, and I'm guessing it wasn't an enjoyable task to participate in either. Interestingly, when Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross to shed his blood as a sacrifice for our sins, he was crucified outside the walls of the city. Look at what it says in John chapter 19, in the second half of verse 16, down to verse 20. It says this, So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the scripture reveals to us that Jesus was crucified near the city, but not in the city. His execution was not a glamorous thing. He was taken to a place that was outside the city because they didn't want the dishonor of his execution to take place within the city walls. Jesus was treated basically like refuse or like garbage, even though he is God in the flesh and he was paying for the sin we had committed. Now, the challenge that we're given in this passage is to be willing to put up with any kind of cultural shame that might come with being associated with Jesus, to be willing to go to him outside of the camp, to be willing to bear the reproach that may come from living for him because we're conscious of the fact that we are not here long and our true home is in a lasting city with Jesus, not a temporarily walled-off human town. A few weeks ago, my family went to an amusement park together, and if you've been to an amusement park, you realize that those parks operate like their own world, and sometimes it's easy to start acting maybe just a little bit silly when you're in there. In fact, at one point, my son told me that for the small price of $2, he would be willing to sit awkwardly close to an overly affectionate couple that was seated on the opposite end of one of the rides that we were on. Now, I didn't take him up on this offer, but now that I think about it, <laughs> I actually am starting to wonder if maybe I should have, because he was willing to embarrass himself a little, and he was willing to do this because he was highly aware that we were only going to be there for one day. He wasn't overly worried about how he looked while we were visiting a temporary location. Now, in a strangely similar way, we're reminded by this passage that we're just sojourners visiting our current location, and we shouldn't fear the shame some may heap on us for loving Christ. So what example of faith is the Lord inviting us to imitate? Well, he's inviting us to imitate those who lead like Jesus and love Jesus more than they love their own reputations. 
He's inviting us to look to his example and be willing to joyfully enjoy our part in his family as we look forward to the day when we'll all live in his presence in a permanent city built and fashioned by God himself. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today. Thank you for the things that you reveal to us in this passage of Scripture. Thank you for encouraging our hearts through it. Thank you for providing for us great examples of what it means to live by faith. People who are leaders, people who are sojourners, who are more concerned about loving you than they are about their reputation in this world. And then ultimately, Lord, we know that you, Jesus Christ, are the ultimate example of what it means to walk by faith. Lord, we pray that we would follow your example. We pray that we would put you first in all areas of our lives, and we pray, Lord, that our hearts and our lives would reflect your presence in us, with us, and through us. Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you show us your love in so many ways, and we pray, Lord, that your love would just radiate out from us to all the people that you place in our path on a daily basis. So we're grateful for all these things, Lord. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your presence with us today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. Don't forget, we also have a sister podcast, the Chapter a Day Audio Bible. You can find out more about that podcast by visiting desirejesus.com slash podcasts. And if you'd ever be interested in contributing toward our crowdfunding, which goes toward covering the costs of hosting and producing these podcasts, you can find a link to our crowdfunding right at the top of our podcast page. Again, that's desirejesus.com slash podcasts. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a wonderful week. We look forward to getting together with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.